your your girl, always thinking. It's almost like you're a fucking genius. It's almost like I'm a CEO. <laughs> it's almost like you're as smart as you are beautiful. Oh my god, you're leaving that in, right? Katie, it's snowing here a lot. It is. I keep seeing, because you know what the D.C., Maryland, Virginia metro area does when it snows. Yes. Post about it on social media. We also completely shut down. And yesterday, uh, Super Husband goes to the store for supplies. And I had I had this realization that the same things that you would stock up on for a snowstorm are the exact same things that we're stocking up on for the past, I don't know, year for coronavirus. Mm-hmm. Do mm-hmm, we have mm-hmm. enough liquor? Do we have enough toilet paper? These are the important things. We need them in the house. So really, this no day feels much like any other. So, M.M. So, Katie. Um, we have this podcast. Oh, uh, right. What's it called again? It is called The Wine Times Mysteries because... We are bi-coastal besties bonding over wine. And mysteries. And so, therefore, we have this podcast called the one times mysteries Mm. um i'm pretty excited uh because i want to see if i can keep my streak (laughs) of being a good guesser alive this is the second episode where i will be guessing oh you should Um, be excited because the theme of this week are you ready i'm ready friday the 13th oh my goodness it was so wonderfully bad i loved it loved it loved it huzzah i'm so excited and so with that are you ready to Dive right in. I'm ready to go beyond belief. <laughs> okay, so first of all, let's talk about the freak's fit for this episode. Fashion show, fashion show, fashion show at lunch. So different fit? Well, let's talk about it. I think this is what you described him wearing last week. So he's wearing the black and dark gray striped button-down shirt with the black blazer. Okay, mm-hmm. so clearly he's going in and recording two episodes at a time. Mm-hmm. And they just cannot be bothered to change his outfit in between. <laughs> no, not even a new shirt. Like, leave the suit. Right. But, like, you could just, just have several button downs that he could, I mean, let's, yeah. you know. It might take two minutes. I don't know. I don't know. But but we've already decided that the wardrobe department for this particular venture was perhaps not well funded. Yes, true, okay. true, true. Considering the, the the fits of our camping family two episodes ago, which were like linen pants. I was legit thinking about that like two days ago and just how ridiculous that was. And <laughs> the guy, the guy, because I wanted one of those leather bomber jackets. Of course I did in the, in the 90s. Yeah. And I would never would have would have sullied such a coveted item by going camping in it. No. So okay. he walks in. And uh, into Morticia Adams' house, all the candelabras are ablaze, so we are already on point for this episode. And he starts in with his first prop, which is a canvas, like he likes to do, a very large square canvas, and it's on a very ornate, ornate easel. Yes. Very ornate. Um, and, and he's talking about how our perception can be unreliable. That's shocking. A totally new concept for yes. this show. So what you need to imagine is on this canvas, it has A, B, C written okay. across like normally. The B has a little, like a little line 
where the straight stick part of the B meets the curved parts. So it's like a three and a one. Like yes. A, yeah. Yes. Why do you have to ruin everything, Katie? Yes. It's like oh, a did one, I? Am I? It's like am, one I and a three. am I a genius? Well, yes, you are. Um, Frakes would be very, very proud of you. So he's saying when you just read it across, it's A B C. But look what happens when you add a twelve above the B and a fourteen below the B. All of a sudden, you read straight down, and it reads twelve, thirteen, fourteen. Can we believe what we see? And then from there, somehow they pivot to Friday the 13th, which I don't really get, except that the B was a 13, but otherwise. Good enough. So is it difficult to discern reality from fiction? Or is it as easy as one, two, three? Okay, so story number one, uh, The Wrestler. This took me back because it is very much in the vein of, I wouldn't even say 90s wrestling, like 80s wrestling where everyone's in their outfits and they have their really bad personas. And Hulk Hogan style. Yes. It is told, however, from the perspective of the manager of a wrestler who has been wrestling for like 20-something years. He's at the end of his career. Tonight is his last round. So what you're saying is the wrestler starring Mickey Rourke really cribbed (laughs) from this. Mickey Rourke wishes. Writers... (laughs) These writers are Oscar caliber, is what you're saying. In more words than that, yes, that's exactly, thank you, is what I'm saying. So his one wish on tonight, the night he's retiring from wrestling, is that he wants to go out a winner. But then again, what else would a loser wish for, says Frakes. Thank you, Frakes. I know. I know. I think the desire to win is universal. (laughs) Frakes and not just but wait for wait for how Frakes describes the world of wrestling. Okay. It's <laughs> okay. it's an easy place to get lost with strong men, good against evil and larger than life drama in your face right now. It's so good. That was the face I was making too. It's just listeners, uh, <laughs> since this is a totally visual medium, um, uh, I started to get like a confused dog. My head just kept going more and more, more sideways. Side That's right. As I was like, perplexed. Yeah, man. It's really easy to get lost amongst all the strong all men. The strong men. So, so then we're like in what is essentially like the locker room before oh, sure. the bout, and um, the promoter's there, and he is stereotypical and wearing a lot of gold chains, and he's trying to talk to the wrestler about his post wrestling plans. So he's like, "How are you doing financially?" And the rap, yeah, yes, yes. <laughs> Such a specific question. Yeah, and the wrestler goes, well, you know, I talked to my brother and he says the engine plant is looking for part-timers. So that's a great lead. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So we're setting so the tone. not great we're se- Yes, we're setting the tone. 20-year career, he hasn't won a whole bunch. Prospect's not looking great after uh, his wrestling career has concluded. At that moment, as we grasp the fact that he is not doing well financially, the wrestler that he's going to be wrestling and his promoter come into the locker room and they say, hey, there's been a change in tonight's script. Momar, who is the other wrestler, who's dressed in a gold onesie. It's kind of like an oldie-timey men's bathing suit from the 20s. It's like the the fit 
but it's gold instead of black and white striped, if you can see that. And his head yes. is completely shaved, except he's got, like, a long, like, ponytail thing in the back. And... I mean, to each their own. You know, our wrestler guy is like, no, this was a done deal. It's my last night. I was supposed to be the winner. And let me tell you, the best put down of the whole entire episode, that wrestling promoter looks at me and he goes, yeah, well, I just undid it. So Ooh. burn, burn. Momar was going to be the winner. Yeah. TGIF yeah. audience. Ooh. Ooh. So then our guy's promoter turns to him and he's like, look, I don't want you to get hurt on your last night. So let's just stick to the script. If it's a new script, let's do it. And he's like, never. So they go out and you get to see them announce them coming to the ring. And this is when we realize just how incredibly racist uh, this particular <laughs> skit is. Because Momar is supposed to be Egyptian and from the land of pharaohs. And him and his entourage come out and come to the ring. And he's got scantily clad ladies who are very clearly uh, of the Caucasian persuasion. Who are wearing like skimpy pharaoh outfits. And like Full the on Cleopatra super situations. cheap Cleopatra wigs. And like tons of blue and black eyeliner and just way over the top. And just just super offense. I just just so everybody knows. Okay. And then we have our wrestler come out, and his name is Demolition Dirk, or Demo Dirk for short, because he is dressed as a construction worker in jeans, like full on jeans, not like a Leotard that looks like jeans or wrestling ties that look like just full-on jeans that don't even fit particularly well because he's also wearing suspenders. And then he oh. has, like, the construction vest on, like, like for traffic purposes that he takes off. But, like, he has got that little vest on. And he's carrying around a, um, like, like a jackhammer with him and, and the construction helmet. So then he comes up and, he you know, he takes off the helmet and puts the jackhammer down. But, like, that's his persona. He's Demo Dirk for the Motor City, which also it does explain... How his brother, who works at the engine part factory. Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. Okay. So then it turns into like very typical wrestling match. And this scene went on for way too long. Like it didn't need to go on (laughs) as long as it did. It basically just shows Demo Dirk getting his ass beat pretty hardcore. And then he comes back. And then the other guy, right, and is, is back and forth, is back and forth. The guy who's narrating, who's the manager of Demo Dirk, says... They were great performers. And I just wrote, I disagree. I thoroughly disagree. This is <laughs> Respectfully not, disagree, sir. This is not glow. Disagree. I'm not enjoying watching this wrestling at all. Um, and then basically it turns into a boxing match where uh, Demo Dirk just decides he's not going to let Momar win this. Because he's not supposed to. And damn it, he's going to come out a winner. And he starts like punching him and taking elbows to the back of the neck. I mean, just really going all in on him. And again, according to the wrestling promoter manager, he says, he seemed 20 years younger with the crowd cheering for him. And I don't know how long it lasted, but it felt like a lifetime. And I said, same, same. It the scene like needs to end. And then the Egyptian girls start to look worried. Sorry, the faux Egyptian girls, the very offensive faux Egyptian girls start to look concerned and worried that Momar is now losing. Eventually, Dirk is declared the winner, right? Uh, and he's like, oh, I couldn't believe it. I finally, I'm a, I'm a winner. Look at me. 
Um, and then the doctor goes over to examine Momar. <laughs> he stand, He calls for quiet. And he stands up and he says, this man is dead. He is ice cold. He has been dead for at least 20 minutes. You, sir, have been wrestling a dead man. Frank's voiceover says, even in victory, he was a loser. There is no satisfaction in beating his arch rival now. To which I wrote, I don't know why. You literally beat him to death. But, you know, so that's the first story. He's wait. He's been dead for twenty minutes. So like, was he on the ground and like, Dirk was just like wailing on him so much? We don't know. Uh, Honestly, and the that's Frakes the fault of the ref. Oh, fault for of not so many stopping people. that much earlier. And the Frakes phrase here is, "His real opponent turned out to be Lady Luck." Since this bout <laughs> took place on Friday the thirteenth. Okay, that so it was definitely not part of. The script. This was just a script they had. <laughs> and they were just like, shit. This doesn't fit in I mean, with any of our themes. Well, let's where can this we use 13th. this? Okay, Katie, what's the answer? What do you think? Oh, Christ. Uh, I mean... <laughs> I don't think that's a valid answer. <laughs> Christ! Uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go true. Okay, marking it down. Because this was basically how daredevil's father dies um so i feel like up until the end much like our cop story where you were like i can believe all of mm-hmm. this up until mm-hmm. x i can believe up until he's been dead for 20 minutes okay it seems well thought out well reasoned okay so are you ready for story two? take a deep breath are you ready for story two? yes uh locked and loaded okay it's called the escape. Escape. Okay, so. <laughs> I still call, I still pronounce escape that way, too. The impact of Finding Nemo, you guys. It's escape. deep. Escape. Okay, so the prop, of course, for this segment, some jail bars. Because why? Because, you know. We're Are they just like, is he in a cell? Or is it just like a so set of bars? There's definitely like, a scene change. He does not, you can't see the rest of Morticia Adams' house. So it looks like he's either in a separate room that just has the jail bars, but it's not like they rolled some in to the Morticia gotcha. Adams' house. So there's, there's a man whose name is Gus McGrath. And he was a gambler and he was a con man. And he's one year Ooh. into his five-year sentence. And as Frakes tells us, his spirit is telling him, it's time to move on, but the trick is going to be to get his body to follow. Yeah, no, it makes no sense, and it doesn't even line up with the story. So here we go. And he happened to be escaping on Friday the 13th. <laughs> so, as you can imagine, this is like prison break. Okay, no one has ever escaped from this penitentiary. The warden ran it like a factory, and he used the inmates for cheap labor. Side note, Frank says this like it's something that we should be surprised by. Again, what country do we live in? Garbage country. That's right. This is, this is unfortunately just the way things are. And in 1998, Gus McGrath was working in the prison laundromat and he was making 10 cents an hour, which I guarantee you is actually more than a lot of inmates are making today per hour mm-hmm. in the United States. Gus McGrath, he's a little too pretty for prison, if we're being honest. His hair is like real nice really so it's like done yeah it's like, and it's like a, item yes. in prison is like product but it's also like he has a really nice haircut where like it's a little like longer and kind of 
curl, like big curls on top and like neat and shorter around the bottom. So he definitely like went into the prison barber like, listen. Yes. <laughs> he is one step away from having a Superman curl like right on his forehead. Like I have? Um, his With hair, my little... his hair was even more lustrous and full than yours, Katie. <laughs> I have to say, he just has, man has some nice hair. Listeners, the joke is that I have a little tuft. It's like I'm, I was meant to have a widow's peak, but it doesn't grow any longer than a couple centimeters. So it's my Superman curl, meaning I have this little tuft that doesn't do anything except look ridiculous. <laughs> and I always have to blend it in. It's adorable. With my my other Just hair, adorable. I'm a catch. You are with my weird hair tuft. Any anyone anyone lucky? lucky and my eyebrows that I drew on very asymmetrically. <laughs> I didn't even do mine. I told you, I'm st- everyone. I'm still in my jammies. I'm not afraid to admit it. Here I am. I've not done my eyebrows. Have not done nothing. Nothing. So. Back to our friend Gus, who is yes, a little, sorry, a little too pretty for prison. So the story is he used to wear $1,000 suits and now he works for 10 cents an hour. Yes. And he's like, time to blow this popsicle stand. Exactly. But how do we do this? So he's on laundry duty. And he's like talking to his friend, who we find out his friend's name is Doug. Gus and Doug. Of course. So he's like. Sorry. He's on laundry duty, and he's talking to his friend Doug about how he's ready to get the hell out of there. And he's like, Doug's like, yeah, man, but how are you, you going to do that? Because it's a jail. Right? And uh, he's like, if they don't get you in the head count, they'll get you uh, when they check the hampers. So they have those giant facility mm-hmm. industrial hampers. Basically, he's trying to orchestrate his own orphan Annie escape situation where he's hiding in the laundry bin that gets rolled mm-hmm, out, mm-hmm, right? Mm-hmm. But the cops are... Or the guards, yeah. they're slightly smarter than Miss Hannigan because after they line everyone up and do the head count and send them on, they also take their sticks and poke in the laundry just to make sure there's nobody in there. But Gus is just like obsessed with escaping. And uh, there's also, there's like the regular prison guards who are like in uniform and like uh, clearly they are guards. There's another mm-hmm. guy there who I can't really tell what his role is because he's wearing like a white coat, like a lab coat, like almost like a doctor's coat, but he's like the laundry doctor he's just sitting there basically like watching the laundry stuff and i don't know he's got like pins in his pot i don't really know what his role he's not an inmate but he's also not a guard and then at some point gus is talking to doug and he's like he wouldn't notice a naked broad if she chot right past him and i was like i don't know what year this is supposed to be set in right now what just i mean a naked a naked broad if she cha-chawed right (laughs) past him what what year and what world are we in i'm really not sure see my girl friday gonna cha-cha right by him in in her birthday suit so and and guy in dr laundry likes to read his paper (laughs) which is why they're saying he's so blue and i would too if i'm sitting there for all day and really has no job description we find out a little bit later what dr laundry does but it's still it's it's barely a job so he's he's always reading his paper he's not going to notice a naked broad so i think that we can cover dr laundry's basically what gus is saying and so then we see like their normal end of day routine when they're done with the laundry they line up they do roll call and then they poke the bins with a stick this time when they do it they're like oh no someone's missing they're like ramirez where's ramirez 
And someone goes, oh, no, sir, he was assigned to the metal shop today, so he's not here, that you must have the wrong list. And he's like, oh, whew, okay, never mind. And I thought to myself, no calling to check, no radio, radio, nope. Roger, Roger. <laughs> no is, verification. Is Ramirez in the metal shop? They're just like, oh, okay, everybody go on about your business. And then we poke the, poke the stick in the, in the laundry hampers and we're good. So Gus sees this and he's like, all right, I can formulate my escape Ding. because I am a cunning con man and I'm the only one who could ever figure this out after just seeing what we all just saw. So Gus waits until Gus is assigned to the metal shop and his friend Doug is assigned to the laundry room. And oh, so sneaky, they're walking, the lines going to the different jobs are walking right past each other in this really narrow hallway. And they do this super smooth move where they... They see each other and they give each other the sign and do this really smooth maneuver where they and they switch places and nobody's the wiser. Even though there's guards at the beginning and end of every line, they're just like, nobody sees anything. We're fine. Let's all move along. So And all and all the prisoners are like snitches get stitches, so they're not gonna They're say not gonna anything. say anything, right? And plus, if this works for Gus, like why wouldn't we do this too later, I guess? He goes in and is doing his shift. They're like, Okay, time to leave. Gus looks to the left and he looks to the right and no one's looking at him. So he jumps into one of the industrial sized laundry machines. And so they're going, they're going through uh, the roll call then. And they're like, well, where is Doug? Doug isn't here. And instead of anyone being like, oh, Doug was assigned to the, to the metal shop. They sent this time because Doug's missing. They sound the alarm and they put everything on lockdown. And, uh, all the guys file out as part of the lockdown, I guess, to go back to their cells, and they continue to poke the hampers with a stick. Once they're done poking the hampers with a stick and the guards need to go elsewhere to look for Doug, uh, Gus hops into the laundry bins because he's got this whole thing figured out. Very shortly, they find out that Doug was in the metal shop where he was supposed to be the whole time. Okay, this is where Dr. Laundry comes back in. So like, okay, okay. great. We found Doug. Whew. But also, there was an account over at Metal Shop, and they weren't like, where's Gus? No. So, Dr. Laundry, this is where we find out what his job is and why he needs to wear a lab coat. Once the lockdown is over, Dr. Laundry puts away his paper. He takes a laundry bin, and he rolls it down the hall and into the laundry truck. That is his job. That was very, very scientific. Right? There's a reason he needs to wear a lab coat. So, he they, the truck is driving, and... Gus is thinking about how great his new life is going to be on the, on the outside because he's so smart. And then um, the truck stops and they wheel out the laundry bins. And he he's like, okay, I'm just going to wait like a few more minutes until everybody's gone. And then I'm going to pop out and I'm going to live my new life. But then you see the camera pans over and guess where he is? Another prison. They just took the clean laundry from one to the other. And as Freak says, it is... Easy to lose track of the days in prison, even Friday the 13th. Could a man be that unlucky or were the fates simply protecting the, the people? Is this true or is it just escapist entertainment? So This is dumb. This is so <laughs> dumb. What does Friday the 13th have to do with anything? Like This happened on unlucky, Friday the 13th. Like it was the fact that it didn't work? Yeah. I mean, yeah. Do because Dr. Laundry had several different prisons that he goes to this is dumb this is so dumb i'm so mad you weren't vested in gus and duck i thought they they no. had their own theme song i thought they were gonna have a whole buddy comedy no oh. i it was a misuse of the the theme song to doug the cartoon <laughs> i take it back it was also a rip off of annie 
Of course that I hate this. I feel like it means it's going to be true, but I want, I'm going to say false out of principle. Okay. Just taking a note here. That's Fiction. me typing. False on principle. <laughs> okay. So if I'm wrong, I'm wrong with an asterisk. Okay. This is a, this is a protest okay. fiction. Okay. So story three, Dead Friday. This one is my favorite for several, several reasons. Is it because it was actually supposed to be on Friday the 13th and actually has something to do with it? <laughs> Katie, I can't give the whole thing away right now. Okay, just, just be cool, my babies. Okay. The prop for this intro is... Frank's coming out carrying a set, like a stack of VHS tapes. And he's like, the video business is a big business. <laughs> I bet you didn't know that, Katie. <laughs> That's about it. To Blockbuster's like, <laughs> Jody rented some videos uh, for a big date she had planned on Friday the 13th. They're scary videos, too, including her favorite called Dead Friday. And so basically, we see two girls getting ready to go out. There is Jody and her roommate, uh, Miranda. I was going to say Meredith. No, Miranda. I'm very proud okay. of myself that I wrote down these names to keep track of Because <laughs> it's important to know who is who later, okay? Jody and Miranda. Gotcha. Miranda looks like Drew Barrymore in Scream. Okay, she, okay, she's got that same sweater. She's wearing... I mean, cool 90s plaid pants, but like plaid pants. Um, but it's really, it's the sweater and it's the very blonde hair, a little bit shorter than sh shoulder length hair. I mean, clearly she is supposed to be Drew Barrymore. And they're roommates in this exquisite condo or apartment. I mean, it is huge, it is real nice. I don't know where the hell they're supposed to be living, but it is nice. So that is how Miranda is dressed up for her date, which is a blind date that Jody has set her up on with Jody, Jody's boyfriend and Jody's boyfriend's friend. Okay. Jody, on the other hand, is dressed, um, how shall I say this? I'm body positive, right? Like, but Jody's basically doing that 90s thing where she's wearing lingerie out. Okay. Okay. She's also got a very 90s. What's that? It's a dress. Okay. Says who? Kelvin Klein. Yes. Thank you, Cher. It's like that. Um, and she, but she's also wearing like a, what's, I think it's supposed to be a cardigan over it, but it's a see-through cardigan so I, it's like a lingerie cardigan i'm not totally sure she's also wearing a full 90s makeup face of like the very neutral brownish color which is cool but also like a very very matte very dark brownish lipstick so she's got that whole look going on what i'm trying to say is she's dressed she's dressed up a lot more than jody is she's helping jody get ready for the for the the date and so she then takes out a gray scarf and puts it around her. And she's like, oh, there, now you look perfect. And I was like, she looks perfect for like, I mean, she looks great. Don't get me wrong. But like, they're, they're obviously dressed to be going to different places. Right. And it's just like, if you're, if the whole thing is that they're just going to be watching some videos, including Dead Friday. Oh, well, not just the videos. Okay. So uh, okay. you can see there's a storm raging outside. And uh, oh, wow. Miranda looks out the window and she's like, should we even be going out? Because it is storming and... It is Friday the 13th. And Jody says, look, after we get back from the club, they're going to the club. After we get oh. back from the club, we can watch a movie with the guys. You can pretend to be really scared. It'll be great. And my note is Miranda's not going to the club in that fit. That's just not happening. So I don't know if they're going to let her in. Jody's boyfriend and his friend, which is Miranda's blind date, show up. And he is a tall, tall ginger. Right before the guys had come, and, and Jody's explaining her master plan of this is how you can get your man, 
is we are going to be watching a movie and you can pretend to be scared. She had put Dead Friday in the VCR and press play, right? So then the guys come over, they come in, and Miranda starts freaking out because she can see something playing on the TV that nobody else can see. They keep telling her the TV's not on. And she's like, what are you talking about? Can't you see this? And she's seeing something really scary and she is starting to freak out. And she says, this is my favorite movie. I've seen this a hundred times. So wait, Miranda's freaking out or Jody's freaking Miranda's out? Miranda's freaking out. Okay. Miranda, who is supposed to be Drew Barrymore, who is not dressed to go to declare. I got it, got it, got it. She is freaking gotta, gotta, gotta. out. And she says something, we cannot go out tonight. Something awful is going to happen. I see it on playing on this movie. This is where Jody's boyfriend is like, excuse me, Madam Q's? is the hottest club in town. And if we don't leave soon, we are not going to get in. This club has everything. (laughs) (laughs) Madam Q's. And he's just being a total jerk about it. The blind date, the tall ginger, who I think his name was Marcus, he is to her face being like, yo, this girl's a wacko. And the boyfriend's like, yeah, Jody, we need to leave. I'm like, great supportive boyfriend. Like, Good catch, so, Jody. Like, so, cl- so clearly, like he, like the boyfriend's friend is a piece of shit. So is the boyfriend. And, I mean, they both are right, but like, but like, like you know, in a blind date setup like that, it might be like, like Miranda's great, but hey, can you go on this pity date with mm-hmm. my boyfriend's piece of shit friend? Yes. Like you never know. Like yes. who's going to be who's who's doing the pity date? That's right. Miranda's doing the pity date because Marcus is a piece of shit. Got it. So is the boyfriend. I mean, they all are. They all are. And not they all. All of the men's in this situation. Why are men? I don't know. And clearly Jody's boyfriend is choosing the brosifs before the hosifs because he is like, look, we're leaving. And she stops him at the door and she's like, look, I can't leave her like this. She's my roommate, but she's also my friend. I really care about her. And I was like, way to go, Jody. Yes, Women ovaries before broveries. That's right. And so he gets really pissy and is like, fine, well, we're going out and I'll catch you never, basically, and, and slams the door. I was very proud, Jody, for standing up for her relationship and prioritizing that uh with Miranda. But then she goes right over to Miranda and is like, I don't think I'm ever gonna see him again. Thanks for ruining my life. Uh, like she reverted to like teenager. I know, I know. Like, but also, like, if he's your boyfriend and that's how, yeah. why you break up, he shouldn't have been your boyfriend in the I first place. I hope you never see him again. I hope you never see him again. What a jerk. So then later that night, um, Joni makes a very wise decision to change out of her club-going outfit and is now wearing a robe, however, and so is Miranda. However, again, stark differences between their robes. Miranda is wearing a fuzzy pink terry cloth robe, and Jody is wearing a super short red silk kimono-type robe. Like a boudoir robe. I'm pretty much thinking everything that Jody owns is like a boudoir or something. Got it. She, it's a look. It's, it's a look. It's, it's, a, it's look. a look. So they're sitting on the couch and uh, the news comes on. And they were saying that a car was broadsided by a speeding train just moments ago and the occupants were killed instantly. And of course the occupants were... The pieces of shit. Yes, the awful boyfriend and his awful friend, the ginger. And... Miranda is just seeing it with her mouth open. And then Jody turns to her and says, Miranda, you saved my life. And then Miranda, she did. And then Miranda does a little bit of voiceover. And she's like, later, we were startled to learn there was no tape in the cassette. 
and see. Dum bum bum. Freaks. Okay. The freaks phrase at the end is: Should we place this disturbing tale in the reality department or the section marked <laughs> fantasy? First of all, there is no reality department, but okay. Um. Okay. Mm-hmm, okay. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So, what do you think about story wow. three, Dead Friday? It was my favorite. It really was. I have no idea. I kind of. I want to say true. Okay. She wants to say. She wants to Fact. say true facts. Okay. So how are you feeling? I feel way less. I feel way less confident this, okay. this time uh-huh. than last time. How you? How, but so overall, we're three in. We have two left to go. You're feeling less confident. Way less. Interesting. Confident. Yeah, Interesting. Okay. Okay. Yeah. Well, last time I had like I I would be listening to the stories and I'd be like, you know, it's probably this. And the last two, I like you've gotten to the end. And I've been like, I guess I need to form an opinion. <laughs> okay. Well. These are shorter than the other ones. Okay. And, but I feel like that's the theme is that they just sort of like, they're like, yes. oh shit, I have a story due tomorrow. Well, fuck, 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 fuck. <laughs> it also seemed like they had two really random filming locations and they were like, let's use them and go. So um, story number four is titled Ghost Visitor. And Love the it. Freaks props are a desk with like ye olde timey computer, a bunch of papers, a desk lamp. And he's he's talking about like, how creepy it can be to be in an office when no one else is there, which is true. It's true. Uh, Two main characters in this story. The first is Donald T. Blanchard, who has built a life insurance company called Superior Mutual Life Insurance. And he's, he's built this company himself, started as a one man operation. And just to show how busy and successful he is now, they show you this bustling office very true to like late late 90s fashion i don't know if we're ever ever going to work in offices like these again everybody but there's people passing things back and forth everywhere there's so many noises there's noises from the giant yeah. copier there's fax noises there's phones there's people on there's a low din of like yes, yes. <laughs> people with coffee mugs just going everywhere spilling things you know what i mean that fast-paced it's- life insurance world <laughs> as we all know it's hopping so that's our, our, our main person here. And, you know, the boss man, Blanchard, is mm-hmm. is being a jerk to people. That's how, again, how you know he's a boss. And, you know, I want these cases processed by morning. And he's bossing the secretary around. He's shuffling papers, files everywhere. He has his secretary send over a giant stack of files that she's supposed to give to McDaniel. Now, McDaniel is basically the opposite of Blanchard. He's younger, he's nice, he's honest, he's not so sure of himself, right? And so she... T- he's a Bob Cratchit to yes. Donald Thank Scrooge. Thank you. Thank you. Blanchard can never remember his name. He always calls him, like, not McDermott. He calls him McDonald or something like that. And he's always like, McDaniel, whatever, I don't care. I'm too busy to care. You know, <laughs> your name is inconsequential to me. Uh, the secretary takes over the huge stack of, of paperwork and folders and she drops him off at McDaniel's office and he goes like, let me guess, the boss man wants these done by in the morning. And she's like, isn't he awful? And he's like, sure is. And, you know, so again, firmly cemented. Boss is awful. They're hardworking, genuine, sincere people. Great. We see everybody else goes home. Office is empty except for McDaniel. He is very busy and you know he's very busy because we see him stapling a lot of papers. Oh, I'm, oh, I'm sorry. I need to go get some more coffee. And I'm like, that's the exact thing that you need late at night when you're jittery and you've been drinking coffee all day. 
Yeah, as a as a Seattle resident, mm-hmm. even though uh, it has been established, I do drink quite a bit of tea. Mm-hmm. Boo. Um, do do better with your coffee show. I'm personally insulted. Just do better. Do better. So be best. So he's busy drinking decaf and stapling lots of papers because that's what you do. And then the copier, those one of those giant office copiers, starts copying by itself. <gasps> so it's a ghost butt mystery butt. Mystery butt. So he goes and he he's like, what? And then he unplugs it. And then he goes back to his office. And there's a very important file on the floor. So he picks it up. How did this get here? Ooh, how did it happen? Ooh, ghost visitor. And he's like, oh, talking to himself. Of course, not to us, the audience. He's like, oh, this is the one the boss wanted done really quickly. This is the death of someone who had a, This is not an easy last name. I don't know why they have pulled this out of the ether for, the, for this. Tagarine. Okay, and that he was apparently a very successful businessman who died under mysterious circumstances, and mm-hmm. their life insurance company was going to be liable for two million dollars in life insurance. Oh, wow. Which I mean, but I mean that's the business; that's what you do. I'm sure they were getting paid them premiums, but of course, if he committed suicide, the life insurance company doesn't have to pay. So he's saying this all to himself, right? And he opens up the file, and there's a giant picture of the guy in there, and I was like, I really hope that my Hashtag this is 40. I really hope that my life insurance files somewhere are don't just have like giant headshots of me in them when they pull them up. Like it's so weird. Just like or like a some sort of Skynet, like when you accidentally open your front facing camera. Yes. So like the picture is just like the and the weird chin, the Yep, yep, yep. So uh so then as he's staring at this man's headshot, the uh perpetual motion machine behind him on the desk starts going by itself. Ghost visitors. It's actually this Tagarine guy. So as he's pouring himself some more decaf, Mr. Blanchard comes back to the office. And of course, him coming back in the office scares McDaniel because he was trying to get used to being there by himself. And Blanchard's being a jerk like he is. And he's like, you look like you saw a ghost or something. And he's like, yeah, you know, working alone here at night. He goes, trying to give him some like big boss advice. He's like, so let me get this straight. This is your first job in the life insurance game, isn't it, McDaniel? That yeah, that fast paced yeah. room. Yeah. Life insurance. So new people always be closing, etc. Always be closing. New people tend to get spooked working in the life insurance business, Katie, because it seeps into your unconscious brain. Oh, because so many people are because you're dealing with a lot of Yes, dying. yes, yes. And so then your mind can start to play tricks on you. But what you have to remember, Katie and McDaniel is that it's not real and you need to confront these things. You know what he means? And McDaniel's like, sure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and he goes, while, while we're talking about things that are not related to the job, let me lay some job related knowledge on you. And so McDaniel says, uh, well, if you ask me, sir, um, this tangerine guy, he did not commit suicide. This was definitely an accident something that we're going to need to pay for. At which point Blanchard takes the file, the headshot from him, and he's like, oh, I'll finish this one. You go home. And I'm like, make up your mind, man. He rearranged his night because you told him he needed to process this shit tonight, and now you're taking it back from him? Look, delegation, you need to trust the people on your team. Be able to delegate. You are a bad manager, sir. So. Well, I mean, and, like, since he is a piece of shit as we like maybe that's the theme of this episode is that people are pieces of shit oh um, that would make sense seems seems more universal yeah than friday the 13th yeah totally um, 
like clearly he didn't like the answer of we're gonna have to pay for tangerine right clearly so so he's like all right you you do you and uh so then Blanchard it sounds at his desk and then he starts seeing all the shenanigans going on in the office as well so do you remember the oldie timey calculators that had the ticker tape thing attached to it right so that thing starts Uh going off by himself so he starts getting uh freaked out does does it say like eight zero zero eight five a lot (laughs) no but that would have been good so Blanchard uh listener that spells boobs (laughs) (laughs) so um sorry So, so Blanchard, who had moments before been telling McDaniel to buck up and face his fears, as soon as his uh, ticker tape calculator starts spelling out boobs on its own. Over and over and over. Over and over again, he reaches into his desk drawer and grabs a gun. Because that's a rational reaction. And why does he have a gun in his desk drawer and a life insurance? Or the ghost, I guess. So so then he, he... so then he takes his gun and he leaves his office to go out into the main part of the office. And mm-hmm. all the files are askew. Like all the drawers have been open, but it's like every other one. So there's a clear pattern with the drawer, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. the file cabinet opening. And some poor intern was all like, shit, shit, yes, shit, yes, shit, yes. Shit. Make it look, yeah, make uh-huh. it look like someone's been rummaging. So basically it's in a shambles is what I'm trying to it's say. In it's shambles. in a shambles. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and then there's a noise, and he turns, and he looks, and you see, the camera shows, the water cooler is bubbling on its own. Ooh, spooky. Ooh, good. The perpetual motion machine is going on its own again. Ooh, so spooky. And then McDaniels comes up behind Blanchard and puts his hand on his shoulder. And gets shot? That is where I thought this episode was going, but no. <laughs> Blanchard sees McDaniel, and then the camera does that really great uh, shot where it's like he sees... Tagarine's face, and then he sees McDaniel's face, and he sees Tagarine's face, and then he sees McDaniel's face, and then he sees the other guy, and then and then he and, and McDaniel goes, "It's tri- me, sir, it's me." And then Blanchard clearly has a heart attack and dies while making the funniest noise I've heard on TV in a while. But fatal trauma to his nervous system. Yes, yes, yes. And then McDaniel is over his clearly dead body. And is screaming for help in an empty office. He's just like, help. Nice. Somebody help me. Help. Ghost. Get on this. <laughs> and then he starts doing CPR. In scene. Okay. Okay. So the Frakes phrase here is, well, st- uh, what I wrote down doesn't even make sense, but I'm going to read it word for word. Boss, unafraid of ghosts, done in by fear. Or, was this office haunted by the spirit of a dead man seeking the truth? Could all these activities caused by could all of these activities i think it's supposed to be could all of these activities be caused by drafts and mechanical <laughs> malfunctions boobs boobs, boobs. boobs, boobs. <laughs> <laughs> is this story based on fact or the result of a writer's imagination working overtime <laughs> uh going true because i think it's true that there's a a kernel of truth about a boss being a total jerk. I mean, I do want to say, I don't think that there was any tie-in in this this story to, to Friday, Friday the 13th. Yeah. And by, oh, and then like, and then Frakes goes, and by the way, it was on Friday the 13th. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I have nary a note in here about how this related to Friday the 13th. Oh my God. Okay, this is the last one. 
Story five, the lady in a black dress. Locked and loaded. The Frank's prop is a movable clothing rack and a mannequin. So he's in between. Is it, the, is, it, is it the kind that young me could have gone and hidden in and scared my parents? No, it's like it, one line uh, and then it's on the rollers like it. you see in the, in like, oh, we're, we're getting ready for the movies. So we got to roll this on over. Got it. Got okay. It, got so it, he's it, standing it. in between the mannequin and the clothing rack. And the clothing rack is full of like very intricate beaded, like old lady dresses. Got you it. know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. There's a whole section in Nordstrom that's just the fancy old lady dresses. Like, like imagine things that Barbara Bush I, wore to the second inauguration. The thing, the thing where you you pull you t- like pick up the hanger and you're like, this is fifty pounds. Yes, those, those. Yeah, and that is also what the mannequin is wearing, but also along with a hat. So, as Frakes tells us, conscious is a meddlesome companion, and for many, that weight is a burden that can never be put down. Okay, that's just the intro. And now we're in, in the clothing boutique. There's a woman and who I'm assuming, there are two women. I'm assuming it's a woman and her daughter, grown daughter though. And they're in this mm-hmm. very 90s clothing boutique. And I say very 90s because it is full of very 90s looking dresses. And okay. there's lots of sales associates around. So like, I think it's supposed to be upscale. Um, so there's a woman shopping with her mom. And uh, she, the woman is being very bitchy about a childhood friend who has sent her a wedding invitation. And I think that they're looking for something for her to wear to the childhood friend's wedding. And just being a jerk about it. The mom being like, I, like, what if you guys were such good friends in elementary school? What happened? And she's like, we grew up, mom, and went to high school. And she found her friends. And I found my friends. And they're different friends. And the mom's like, well, I think she'll still be happy that she found someone and like she's not going to die alone, which. Right. Like if you hate her that much, don't go to the fucking wedding and just send her a gift. Right. Done. Go to the registry, whatever. Send her a check, whatever. But I also liked how that was the first thing the mom jumped to. Like, at least she won't die alone now. <laughs> and the daughter's just like, oh, mom, don't be so morbid. And she keeps picking up all these like dresses from the rack and like putting them in front of her and the mom's giving her like offhand like it's this or it's that and so she picks up one and she's like "Ooh, what about this one and the mom's like you can see through that and she's like so like my hot body i do what i want i'm an adult isn't it funny uh-huh. i have sexuality so it's just <laughs> it's just a really weird dynamic between if you want to sell if you want to sell something you put it in the in the front window like at like you guys we keep quoting things from the movie we watched last <laughs> night i just Wanted you to know that we know it's not in a shambles. It is definitely and, not in a shambles. And the thing that I just said about a front window is very weird, but it is what Cindy Lauper said to explain why she wore very scanty clothing. In the 1988 movie classic, Vibes. vibes. Not the vibe. Star- vibes, nope. plural. Vibes. Uh, starring Cindy Lauper and Jeff Goldblum. And yes, it has a and- whopping 14% fresh rating on Rotten Tomatoes. <laughs> respectfully disagree too high (laughs) so nothing was nearly as fabulous as what cindy lawford was wearing in that movie the woman the mom woman looks over and she thinks that she sees her elderly aunt who is to see she thinks she sees aunt lillian over there and she's like that woman over there and the daughter's like whatever mom what is it and she's like she looks like (laughs) just like your aunt Lillian from behind. And she's like, okay, anyways, so this wedding, I hate this girl so much. You know, they're just snotty. And the mom was like, you know, it just ignores her daughter, which I probably would too at this point. 
I mean, she's the one was like, you know, your Aunt Lillian had really wanted to live with us towards the end of her life. And I always felt so bad because we didn't have room because you and your brother were still at home. And your dad and I were... (laughs) Because of you! Right? (laughs) Because of you. And your dad and I were working so hard just to make ends meet. We didn't really have the room or the money to be able to to do that. And so she was in in the home. And I, I just, I felt so bad that I wasn't there for her when she died. Because she always told me, Annie... It's important that the last face you see before you die be the face of love. And I'll just never forgive myself. And the daughter's like, Mom, it's five years ago. Get over it. Wow, the daughter's kind of a huge asshole. I'm... Which is, again, part of our theme. There you go, the real theme of this episode. Um, and so then the daughter goes into the dressing room to try on uh, a very a hideous-looking red dress. And while she's in the dressing room, the mom's like, Wow, do you smell that? It smells like Aunt Lillian's perfume in here. That's so strange. And then the daughter comes out and the mom looks at her dress. And I was proud of the mom for this. She goes, I think we better go try this door next door. <laughs> like, that ain't it. So the daughter's like, okay, let me go take this off. And she's like, okay, I'll meet you there. So the mom's walking out, but she stops by what I think is supposed to be the counter or the register. But it's really just like a desk table like a very nice desk with like no computer or anything she's just sitting there and she's like excuse me but um the elderly woman that was just in here that was just like like were you helping her did you see her and of course the woman's so confused she's like respectfully there's no one in here respectfully yeah respectfully ma'am she died five years ago <laughs> so the mom's like oh I, I must be mistaken of course so she she walks out of the store to go to the next door that she's gonna go to with her awful daughter and immediately gets hit by a car. Like, immediately gets hit by a car. And, um, <laughs> which I was not expecting. <laughs> no! So then while she's lying on the ground, uh, dying. dying, Aunt Lillian appears and is standing over her. And she's like, I won't let you die alone. It's very important that the last thing you see is the face of love. And scene. <laughs> Freak's phrase. Was it her conscience that freed her at the end because of death? Or was she comforted by her aunt visiting in her time of need? Did Aunt Lillian's spirit know what the fates had in store for her? Was this tale real, or have we taken a lie and dressed it up as the truth? That one. (laughs) Here's Uh why. Because if this was a story that was real, how on earth since no one was out there with her as she got hit by a car and died, like, who would record that part of the story? You know what I mean? Aunt like, it's not like, if, like, her, it's like her daughter wasn't there to see Aunt Lillian's ghost and then be like, this is what happened. Look. It's like when, it's like when there's like, uh, like a pirate that like, oh, they never leave anyone alive. It's like, then how does anyone know mm. about that story yeah. then? It's a Dread Pirates Robert situation. Yeah. yeah. So... I am going false. Okay. I think that means I alternated every single time, which I feel like means I'm destined to do quite poorly. But let's uh, let's find let's out. Are you ready? Oh, yeah. I guess. Deep breath. See, this is why it's so nerve-wracking. Oh, I'm sorry. Okay. So story one. The re- Should I do it like Morikovich? Story one. The wrestler. You said true. The DNA test says fiction. <laughs> But you know what? This is a lot less fun than last time. <laughs> hey, hey, we're not done. No. Stop. Not, stop. Not starting stop. off. Stop. Very well. Also, 
any time we spend together should be fun. And number two, <laughs> thank you. Jeez. Boobs, boobs, boobs. Okay, let's go. Energy back. Energy back. Okay. So we're one down. Jeez. <laughs> so since story one is fiction, you should feel better about the, the fact that those awful appropriating white women oh yeah that's true were made up but at the same time Mm -hmm. someone felt that was appropriate for this story even though the story was fiction so okay okay. story number two the escape or maybe or maybe do i feel worse because if it was based if it was true then it's like well you know we have to be accurate when we tell this story Mm -hmm. but now that it was false it's like that was a choice (laughs) that was made and approved on several levels yeah yeah Yeah. okay okay story two the escape The escape, escape. you said, false. The DNA test says, fact. God damn, I was literally about to be like, maybe I want to change my answer. (laughs) That makes me really mad. I'm sorry. Look, (sighs) look, it should make you mad that Gus McGrath was apparently smart enough to pull that off. (laughs) Um, But also to be like, I'm free. Never mind. Dr. Laundry foiled me again. God damn it. It makes me mad that there's a Dr. Laundry. I know. Okay. Story three. Uh Dead Friday. My favorite story. You said true. True. Yeah. The DNA test says fact. Yeah. 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 Okay. I'm not getting shut out. I'm not getting shut out. Okay. Okay. Boobs. 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 Okay. (laughs) I don't know why that's what I'm going with this time, but it's it's happening. Okay, we're just prepping for our hashtag uh, third love sponsorship. Hashtag not a sponsor yet, but when we do, boobs, 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 boobs. Okay. Third love, if you want to sponsor us, I will stop living sports bra life in this quarantine and wear real I have been wearing my third love bras during this quarantine. TBH, I could use a few more. (laughs) Okay, story four. All right. Ghost visitor. I don't even know why they call it Ghost Visitor. I think it should be like Haunted Office or something. I don't know. It was not a great title. Okay. Katie, you said yeah. true. Yeah, because bosses can be pieces of shit. Yeah. The, D- the DNA test says fiction. No! I'm sorry. What happened to boobs? No! What happened to boobs? No. Okay. So this is such a fall from grace. <laughs> Boobs, boobs. <laughs> All right, let's find out if I get one or two. Goddamn. <laughs> it, it works in all, it wor- depending on how you pitch it, it works in all situations. Are you inquisitive? Boobs, boobs, boobs. Are they saying boo? Or are they saying boo words? I think they're saying boobs, sir. <laughs> I was saying boo words. I was saying boobs. But yeah, so inquisitive. Boobs, boobs, boobs. boobs. You could be angry. Boobs. boobs. It works in all situations. Or a champion. Boobs, 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 boobs. 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 Story five. Five. Come with me in the blood trance. Also, why did they just call it Aunt Lily? I don't know. <laughs> this is a ghost visitor, honestly. This would have worked okay. better for the ghost visitor. Okay. And I said false. I said fiction. Katie, you said fiction. Yeah. <laughs> the DNA test said boobs. <laughs> the DNA test said fact. <laughs> <laughs> oh, 
boob. I have no idea what you meant. But it works for everything. The DNA test said boobs. <laughs> oh, listeners, this is what it feels like to be a bad guesser. That's right. Excuse me. Called call out. Excuse me. <laughs> Look. Look. The Franks took a lie and dressed it up as the truth. And, and you know what? It turns out you cannot rely on your perception. A, B, no. C, 12, 13, 14. Lies is truth. No. Truth is lies. Boobs are boobs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, you guys, how did you do? Because I really think, okay. This one was one, tough. All of our all of our pity listeners, the friends that we have badgered. There listen, are dozens our of them. Yeah, not our beautiful listeners who choose to listen to us, but all the pity mm. listeners that we have badgered into listening to us. I'm going to need you to uh, participate in whatever we put on Instagram. Because <laughs> so, mm-hmm. like my thought was like maybe if like there's a little template, you can kind of guess along and show Ooh. what you thought. Um, but man, this one I just had no it instinct was tough. It was tough. It was tough. I particularly thought that the the office one, I was like, that got to be true. Because like you said. Bosses are pieces of shit. Also, not all bosses. No, hashtag, hashtag not, all bosses. not all bosses. I've had some awesome bosses. But I mean, that's like a believable scenario. Mm-hmm. I mean. Two million Craig, dollars. I mean, Craig says he listens to this, or at least he has listened at one point. So Craig, uh, not a hashtag not all bosses. <laughs> Uh, she was just winking when she said that, Craig. So boobs, 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 boobs. Liar, <laughs> liar. My pants not on fire. Oh, you know. Um. All right. So, listeners, I did quite bad this time. <laughs> you know, I believe um, in you, and it gives you something to rally and fight for next time. I mean, I was gonna rally and fight for five for five, and now I've got nothing. One out of five boobs. I mean, this is. I mean, I'm in a shambles. <laughs> she is. You know what? Your whole situation is in a shambles. I am in a shambles. Um, all right. But that was fun. They were weird. And like literally even that last one was that did they happen to be shopping on Friday the 13th? Like or did they just drop oh, Thank the you. They, they like stopped trying to make it themed after the video with the Drew Barrymore lookalike. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right. Well. Uh, I believe you mentioned you have some personal mysteries. I do. I well, it's not so much a mystery. It's a. I wanted you to guess whether this was fact oh, or okay. fiction. Okay, okay, okay. Sure, okay. sure. So I'm sure everyone listening, the dozens of you, the bakers dozens, the bakers dozen of you can appreciate. You know, it's almost a year of quarantine time, um, oh which means we've all been home. I've had a rough. I mean, roof time this this past week has been really roof and um you know i think we, on a very serious note we all hit these walls right i mean i was having a day and again shout out to hashtag glossier that that uh mascara i had several covid cries and the long covid nap and let me and even a covid cry with a nap and let me tell you did not smudge so super yeah, husband awesome. was comforting me and we were like in, in bed <laughs> the tissues and it, everything was just felt like it was too much. So this is the fact or fiction part. Uh, older daughter kept coming in and asking a bunch of questions that she definitely already knew the answer to. And she's a tween. She, she's getting a rush of hormones. It's... Ew, is she? 
Yeah. Oh God. Yeah. Not you at older daughter. No, like, I know. Good job, older daughter. Way to be alive. But like, <laughs> just more of a. She <laughs> is frozen in my head Wait, as a living. baby. I, uh, tell me about it. Tell me about it. You know. So like the fact that like she's actually a tween. I mean, like, I've heard that upsets me on a basis. And we'd heard from friends that this is like when the first rush of hormones can come on, and when it does, yeah. it it's like everything's upsetting. You know. You know. You, yeah. As you can imagine. Yeah. Yeah. For both of us. Um. So. It, it was one of those back and forth when clearly we needed a minute or two or, you know, and she kept it anyways. Um, she, and then, so then she started getting attitude with us. And so this is the fact or fiction part. Did I, or did I not tell my older daughter, I wish that children still had to go work in the factories. So that way you could contribute something around the house. <laughs> for it later fact <laughs> you live here rent free because <laughs> really it was about like i can't believe you're you know something around like the chores i was having them do before not even okay look they're not even like you must do this every day it's a if you want to play nintendo or if you want to do this when you're done with school like this is what you need to do and it was like you're it's basically i mean i give her props she's basically like you're exploiting us for free labor <laughs> <laughs> power to the people and it was like i'm sorry are you living here <laughs> in the house that this i paid for this is not for? a democracy this is a cheerocracy it is a cheerocracy and <laughs> wow yeah so i was just like no, if you want to play nintendo and this is this is what a disciplinarian i am if you want to play nintendo you gotta empty out half of the dishwasher first of all how dare you <laughs> so yes those words came out of my mouth. That was a fact. Good job, see? You're two for six. Woo! Woohoo! Two boobs. Two boobs out of six. <laughs> I have a set. A set of boobs. <laughs> Congratulations. Um... You have a pair. <laughs> that is hysterical. I love it. <laughs> uh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> listeners, thank you so much for joining us. Join us again next week for MM to Guess Again. Um, and I will be delivering the, the tales uh, from Beyond Belief Factor Fiction. Uh, let us know how you're doing uh, on a scale of, you know, one to five freaks. Um, or boobs. Or boobs. Freaks or boobs. Boobs or freaks. Uh, you can get in touch with us at Wine Times Pod on Instagram and Twitter. Uh, and our personal accounts are at Katie Haas and at True Crime Wine 69 Thank you, as always, to official Chris Hansen. Um, and join us next week. Uh, and keep keep on trucking in this nearly a year of quarantine. I hope everyone is staying healthy and safe. Um, I hope you've and... all found a mascara that works for you to <laughs> cry your COVID tears and not have it run. I tell you... If you need an eyeliner mm. to stand up to nearly everything except clawing off your own skin, uh, <laughs> ColourPop's BFF liquid liner is impossible to get off. Good to know. I look like I look like emo Batman every night. I was going to um, ask how you take to, it off at the end of the night. I so I have to well. I have to double cleanse, which mm. me as a lazy person, I fucking hate. And then, um, so I put the oil-based balm all over my eyes, and I literally look like emo Batman. Like, I need to put on a cowl, and, like, it's full, you know, smooged everywhere. Can that be our and Instagram then, this week? 
No. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Zero boobs out of five. No. If, if, if we, I will post an emo Batman picture when we get our f- first sponsor. How about that? Oh, be our yes. Point. Am I adding to my crow's feet every single day because I have to like fucking cheese grate it off my face? Possibly. Or are you exfoliating? Um, all right, listeners. Thank you so much. And we'll see you, come pop a bottle with us next Please week. Please come pop a bottle with us. And you know what? Do what you got to do to get through this time. If you need to pop several bottles, pop several. We're here for you.